Good morning, OCC, and welcome online this morning. So great to have you join us, wherever it is from uh, across Stratford-on-Avon, across the district, across the world, I guess, that you might be tuning in from. Uh, thank you for being with us. And uh, I, I'm encouraged this morning because I, I really feel that God is going to be speaking to each of us. Uh, I've got the privilege of speaking to a good friend of mine, uh, a pastor in America in Portland, Oregon, called Scott Burns, uh, originally from Scotland, now pastoring it in America. And uh, he's a real wisdom. And we're going to be diving into a passage of scripture that is significant for me in my life and also for Scott. Uh, and it's John chapter five, the healing uh, uh, by the pool of Bethesda. So you grab your Bibles. We're going to be diving into that uh, in a few moments time. But before that, we're just going to come and worship. And when I say worship, yes, we're going to play a song and you might want to sing with that song. And I'd encourage you to do so, even if you're on your own or maybe you're walking and you can kind of just sing it as you're doing it. Whatever it is you're up to right now, uh, we sing a song to the Lord. There's something significant in our singing as we proclaim the truth of who God is. But we can also worship God by just giving him, I say just, but actually giving him our full attention by, by being present with him by thanking him with a heart of gratitude for the gifts and the blessings in your life, taking a moment just to stop and look around. Maybe it's the creation you see around you, the people, the family that you have. Maybe it's the blessings that you can say in your life. God, there's your provision. There's your presence. I acknowledge it and I thank you and I worship you because you alone are the one that brings the blessings into our life of your presence, of your provision, of your grace, that we can even come and, and give our worship to God is an act of his grace that allows us to do that. I was reading again this week, Psalm 139. It's a psalm I come back to regularly. You may know it. It starts, you, Lord, have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I, uh, when I stand, you understand my thoughts from afar. Maybe it feels like God is far away at the moment. You need to be reminded that he sees you. You might feel distant from people. Uh, we're meeting in gospel communities this afternoon and, and maybe you're not a part of our church or you're not part of one of those gospel communities. Maybe you feel in this season quite isolated and it feels like things are afar. Know that God sees you. God is present. He sees when you stand. He sees when you sit. He even perceives and knows your thoughts because God it can be in all places at once. And he is with you in this moment. He is there. He says, you observe my travels and my rest. When I'm frantically busy, when I'm here, there and everywhere and when I'm sitting with almost too much thought and too much time on my hands, you're aware of all of my ways. Before I even understand anything, before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. Before I can understand something and articulate it, you know it because you know me better than I know myself, God. You encircle me and you've placed your hand upon me. I used to read that as a bit of a threat. It's like one of the uh, translations says, you hem me in on all sides. I'm like, oh, it feels so restricting. But actually, when we feel battered and pushed to and fro, actually to know we've got something that encircles us, an encircling of comfort, of love, of protection, of peace. Everybody needs someone to defend them. Everybody needs someone to fight for them. Everybody needs someone to support them and encircle them and to have them. And God has you. He encircles you. His hand is upon you. And it's not the hand of oppression. It's the hand of grace. It's the hand of love. It's the hand that, that sent his son into the world to die for you in order that you aren't marked by your sin when you accept and believe him. But actually you're loved by the father and you're accepted and you're seen because you're clothed in the right standing of Jesus. And so I want you to accept that this morning. Let's receive that this morning in our worship. We give to God, but he always outgives our giving. 
He's the God that outgives and we can give thanks. And in giving that thanks, we have to acknowledge your grace is upon me. And I give thanks for your grace, God, but your grace is greater than my ability to give thanks because God, you are God. And so let's just fix our attention on him in these moments. Let's just worship him, give him worth, adore him in any way that you are able to this morning. Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you, uh, you you are for us. You surround us. You are with us wherever we find ourselves in this moment. Whether we flee to the mountains, you're there. Whether we're down in the valley, you're there. God, I thank you that you're present. And we just presence ourselves with you right now. And we give you the worth, the glory, the honour, the praise, the adoration. For you alone are worthy to receive all glory, honour and praise. And so we worship you now, Father, Abba, as your children. We worship you now, Lord, King. We worship you. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing Of the goodness of God
is my absolute pleasure uh, to be introducing uh, my friend Scott. Uh, Scott is uh, just an absolute pleasure and delight and gem of a man um, that we can blame Ian Hesketh, can't we, that we know each other. It's through Ian that we got to know each other. Um, and uh, I mean, the listen, I, I was trying to think about how to welcome you to our church and those that are watching and listening. And um, I, I, so many things that you carry, so many giftings that you have um, as, a, as a husband, uh, dad, pastoring a church. Uh, you are over in uh, the north, get my bearings right, northwest of America. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Portland, Oregon. Um, is that right? Yep. Over here. Over there. In Scotland, though. That's important. Absolutely. So you're originally from Scotland. So how long have you been over in Portland? I was here for four years and then I was home for six and now I've been back for six. So 10 years with a six year gap in the middle. So you're pastoring a church in Portland um, and you are on the leadership of 24 seven prayer. Uh, you are a spiritual director. You are a friend, a mentor. You are a monk. Um, you're part of a religious <laughs> order, aren't you? I mean, you're, you're sat, clearly sat somewhere uh, that is uh, significant. Where are you at the moment? This is called Mount Angel Abbey. It's a gorgeous place here in Wayne country in Oregon. And you get there I'm, not, I'm not a monk here. You're not a monk here. No. About what, what is, what, how are you a monk? What's that about? Uh, I am part of a, a religious order called the Order of the Mustard Seed, which more and more people are hearing about that is tied to it as an organization and historically tied to the Moravian movement uh, in Germany from a few hundred years ago. Um, but it's a global scattered monastic movement of people who do life and ministry in the local content context around a vow to be true to Christ, kind to people and taking the gospel to the nations. The call of Christ. Yeah, that's it. Amazing. And um, what we've been doing as a church is we've just been speaking to our friends uh, about Jesus and we've just been having conversations about our own discipleship, our own formation, what God is doing in us and has done through us uh, and forming us. And we've been doing that through encounters with Jesus in the Gospels. And so I asked if you could uh, just give us your wisdom, your insight, your journey, uh, what God's maybe doing in you historically now uh, through a passage of scripture. And you've chosen John 5. Is there any reason why you chose John 5? Is this, is this, it's the healing of, by the pool of Bethesda, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it's impacted me and there's some stuff in here that I love. I don't know how much I want to say before you, before you read it, but I just, yeah, it's, it has meaning to me. And so that's why. Yeah, I love I love it when scripture becomes something really significant to us rather than it. Yeah, it, it's something that shapes our walk rather than just something we read. Um, so mm -hmm. I'm excited to hear. Let me let me read the passage. Um, John 5, uh, 1 to 16. Let me just read it. It says, after this, a Jewish festival took place and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there was a pool called Bethesda in Aramaic, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of the disabled, lame, blind and paralyzed. One man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized that he'd, uh, that he'd already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? 
Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat and started to walk. Now the day was the Sabbath, and so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, this is the Sabbath, the law prohibits you from picking up your mat. He replied, the man who told me, uh, the man who made me well told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who is this man who told you, pick up your mat and walk, they asked. But the man who was healed did not know who it was because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. After this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Now, speak, mm. speak to this passage, its significance for you. There may be things specifically um, we'll get through as much as we can. But yeah, what, what, what is it about this passage that's significant for you? Yeah, I mean, I think for everybody, when you read this, that question that Jesus poses to this man. So this is the meaningful part. Part one of the meaningful part is just this question. Do you want to get well? And it's funny because when you read the story, this guy's like an invalid lying in a pool, like desperate for healing. Like he's got this complaint that he's trying to get in this healing pool and other people are getting there first. And so the situation says like this guy is positioning himself for some kind of healing. And yet Jesus comes to him with a question, like, not like, like with other people, it's like, Hey, let me heal you. <laughs> Like, just come over and let me heal you. But this one, like, there's this implicit or this explicit question they ask. Do you want this? Like, I see the situation you're in, but do you really want to be well? And I think in our spiritual journeys, I think there's a lot that we carry, a lot of uh, broken mechanisms that we walk in. I think when we come to faith, like, uh, like, yeah, before our faith, Depends when you came to faith, right? Uh, you grow up with a lot of fallen mechanisms, ways that we self-protect, ways that we present in the world, uh, idolatries that we pursue to give ourselves meaning and value, functional saviors that we latch onto. And then we come to faith and it's like we put a bunch of Christian clothes on top of the brokenness that we already had. So it, it may have been performance before in my job, but now it's I've got to be the best christian in my church and it may be um the need for relationships before and it got sexual and now it's well now i need to be the best discipler and be the spiritual guru for everybody and uh, yeah i need to read my bible every single day and if i miss it like my life's gonna fall apart but we take we take uh, the brokenness that we walked in before and then we put this christian clothing on it and then we walk through our spirituality saying we want to be like jesus uh, we're coming to church, we're going to the classes, we're reading the Bible, but inside clinging to some kind of brokenness or blind to some kind of brokenness that's in the way of it. So I think when Jesus asks this question, do you want to get well? It cuts through all of us. Like it, if you take it in the context of our spirituality, do you really want to be formed into the image of Jesus? Knowing that that means taking up your cross. Do you really want to be formed into the image of Jesus. It means that you have to sacrifice some things to give more generously. Do you really want to 
like be more like Jesus if it means you have to give up things you like or uh, relationships you have or dreams that you've been carrying in order to do what he wants. I think a lot of the time our answer is, well, actually, no, I don't know if I do want to get well. Um, so that question impacts me. I think the other part is there's two sets of responses in the passage that I think really for people in the church really slap us in the face. Um, and I'm an, I'm an exhorter and a about I like to be slapped in the face because I need help to wake up and, and move further on. But uh, someone had pointed out to me, I'd, I'd never paid attention to it before. Like Jesus walks up to this man and says, do you want to get well? I don't know that I'd really thought about his answer. Uh, and someone said to me, like his response is victim mindset and fixates on the injustices that he's experiencing. So rather than say, yeah, I want to get well, he focuses on there's no one helping me. Anytime I try and do it, someone else gets there first. And he's just stuck in this like complaining victim mindset. Like, yeah, I want to be like Jesus, but it's too hard. Other people are getting in the way. I don't have enough time because I'm stuck at home and I don't get enough time to myself. I'd totally be generous if I had more money. Uh, but I just don't have enough. And so I can't do that stuff. And so just that victim mindset. Um, and then Jesus like hears it, like he takes the time to listen to it, but then just cuts through it. Well, get up, get up, grab your mat, go do something. And the guy, if he didn't want to get well and wanted to stay in his injustice, would have said, well, no one can help me and I can't stand up. But he has to he has to reject that victim mindset in that moment in order to experience the healing that was offered. So rather than sit there waiting on someone to help him, he has to get up himself and move forward. And in that moment, healing happens. Um, so you've got that guy, me, stuck in my victim mindset. Like, God, all these things are hard. Like, of course, I want to get well. I want to shed these things. But life is just too difficult. And then the other side, you've got the religious leaders who they're they're stuck in, in almost the power side of it. It's not the victim mentality. It's the powerful religious mentality. And so they're watching a miracle happen in front of them with a guy that they've seen an invalid for 38 years. But it's like, you shouldn't be carrying your mat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> not like you're walking what the heck it's like dude you're carrying a mat like that's not okay who told you to do that yeah uh, and, and so they're so stuck in the religious paradigm that they don't see what jesus was offering in the miraculous way that he wanted to work and, and so i think when i read it i see myself in both places either stuck in this victim mindset like hey yeah i want to i want healing i want to be more like jesus but but yeah, everything's just so hard. And then I see myself on the other side of it. Well, Jesus doesn't work that way. Uh, or that doesn't fit the box that I've got. And so uh, I, I, I don't want that. And that doesn't work. And then we judge and criticize. And so I think part of why this passage impacts me so much is I think it exposes both sides of the coin of my brokenness as it comes to wanting to respond to Jesus. It's like a pendulum swing, isn't it? It's just, it, it kind of, I'm not sure that any of us are always one or the other. It's, we, we, we all carry both of those, don't we? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we all have an element of it. I think, I think it's so easy to look at passages like this. I mean, again, if I'm just being honest as believers, like 2000 years after these events happened, we look at the story and we always put ourselves in the protagonist's shoes, like really, really good guy. That's like, we're the one being healed. We're the one getting it right. We're advocating for Jesus. We would never have like, we would never see this happen in our midst and be like, let's persecute Jesus. And yet we hear someone speak what they think is God's word, or we see someone claim healing and we're like, yeah, whatever. Uh, and we put ourselves in that place. Uh, it's just so easy to put ourselves there. Um, I think the other thing in here that, that amazes me, um, I'm going to borrow this from a conference I was listening to recently, um, this amazing uh, Black teacher just had this moment where she said, uh, this guy is lying by the pool. Uh, because he expects to find healing in the pool mm. and as the interaction happens has no idea that the pool of living water is standing right next to him and uh, so he thinks if I can just get into the pool when it's stirred I'll have healing and because he's so fixated on that solution he misses the water of life that came to him to offer him uh, what he's been longing for and uh, again how many times in my own life I'm so fixated on my particular way of taking care of things that I miss that he's right here bringing to me the resources that we need and then different to this guy like if we're believers like that living water is in us yeah and we're running around looking for all these other solutions and putting our hope in our own ability to fix the problems or some other person's ability to fix the problem, not realizing that the living water is in us, ready to transform us. If we'll say, I need help. I want to get well. So, yeah. It's the, it's the, um, the invitation, isn't it? And it, uh, I wonder for you, um, how, how do you live that out? What, what does that look like for you? You know, as you as you were speaking, I, I journaled the other day. Um, let me just find it where I wrote. Just reminded me what you were saying. Um, I want to be. I was. I was. I was focusing on what really matters to me, and I was just writing down Jesus. It's just that's that's what really matters to me, Jesus. And then I put dot dot dot, or is it being a Christian? Mm. Um, and I was just challenging myself in that thinking of just like. Do I actually want to be like Jesus? Am I actually willing to be formed, like you're saying, which is taking up your crosses? It's the it's the harder path, or am I am I satisfied with actually you know, just the Christian worldview, the the Christian identity? That's that's what I need because then I'll be winning and champion and victorious. And um, and there's that challenge, isn't there? Of of do you want to be made well? Not not do you want to appear to be something that you're not? Do you not do you want to be someone that that the world looks at and thinks is significant not not do you want to be anything do you want to be made well and if you do then the invitation is to be formed in the image of christ how do you how do you live into that how do you as uh, a young 20 18 year old man how, how old are you scott <laughs> 32 year old man um, <laughs> how do 21 you, i'm 21 no <laughs> how, how do you 
you know, in your way, you, you, I mean, appreciate that you've got, you know, wife, kids, not everyone listening is going to be in that stage of life. And maybe these things can, can spread across stage of life and experience. And but how do you lean into living to be formed in the image of Christ? Man, that's such an awesome, big question. I think a key concept for me, and if I put it as it relates to this passage, is a, what historically we call double knowledge. Mm. So knowledge one is knowledge of God. Like, am I spending the time? Like even a passage like this, I've read it so many times, but then a conversation about it recently, a conference that was at, like new insight about how Jesus is functioning in these moments. Like I'm learning a new part of who he is and, and, and how he functions in the world. And so growing in my knowledge of God, of uh, him and the person of Jesus, of the spirit and what he's doing in my, in my life. So there's all sorts of disciplines and rhythms that I put in place for that. So whether that's in the word, whether it's like today, like this is a retreat day, I'm down here with a bunch of pastors. We spend a little bit of time praying together. Then we spend the day alone and then we catch up together at the end, but it's just creating space and silence and solitude to encounter him. That's like the first type of knowledge and double knowledge. But the second type is knowledge of me. Um, and in this passage, like it's the blindness of the, not the physical blindness. It's lame. It's, it's the, self-blindness or, or, or blinkers are on that, that stops him from seeing Jesus as he is and then that stops the religious leaders from encountering Jesus as he is and so the things I do to try and grow out of my blind spots and become aware of those and sometimes that's as I sit with Jesus and I see his compassion and I go wow I'm, I don't have that kind of love for people or I see uh, his patience and I'm definitely not patient like that that exposes things in me and sometimes it's books i read conferences i go to conversations i have counseling i've been for spiritual direction that I engage in that helps me see like i'm really blind in this area um and i think one of the other pieces in here for me that helps me live this out is is pursuing perspectives that are not my default um because a lot of the things that i read or see or people i listen to i listen to because i like and most of the time they confirm what i already think so finding other perspectives that are different to mine makes me aware that, oh, I'm blind in this area. And it's choosing to engage, not to respond and critique, but to say, okay, how does this challenge what I think? Um, and so, I mean, that's part of it. That's, that's, I'm given that answer in terms of like more the spiritual discipline side of things. Um, but then it's just the attentiveness to where God is every day. Like every every morning when you wake up, it's do you receive the question? Like, do you want to get well today? Um, it's knowing that as I walk in the world, like, and I'm interacting with people, like I get to ask them that question. Do you want to get well today? And I don't have the resources, but I can bring you the living water that, that does uh, the salve that you need. And so it's, yeah, in those moments, like, am I cultivating the attentiveness? Am I letting my kids interrupting my quiet time in the morning and getting frustrated with them? Do I, do I let that interruption, like, be a formative experience that teaches me love and patience? As Monica asked me to do something that I don't want to do, do I see it as an opportunity to serve and love 
and be formed more into the image of Jesus or to rebel against it and serve myself. Um, so, yeah, how do I allow every moment to become an avenue for Jesus to ask me this question and let me walk forward in healing? Hopefully that's not too vague. No, it's good. It's, uh, I was reading something recently in the phrase, uh, which I think they, they adapted from um, uh, Brother Lawrence of practicing the presence of God. The, this person said practicing a preference for God in all things, just mm-hmm. saying there's an invitation from God. And what I love about what you've said is that the temptation in this, I think, so maybe, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe this isn't everybody else's temptation, but for me, it can be, you make it about yourself. You know, what, what do I need to do in order to be well, or God, what have you got for me in order to be well? But I love what you're saying is actually there's an opportunity for mission that actually you said, you know, you wake up and ask yourself each day, you know, Jesus is asking me, do you want to be well today? But actually, am I asking that of other people as well? You know, the people that come across my path, is there an opportunity for me to be saying to these people, you know, in, in whatever phrase or way that we say it of, you know, there's, there's one that wants to help you get well. And what does that start to look like? And how can I give you life? How can I serve you? What can I do in order to help you be all that God is creating you to be? Yeah. And my, my personality type, we're, we're a little bit like, right. Um, I, I don't want people to see that I'm not well. Yeah. I want people to see that I'm awesome, that I'm just like Jesus, that I've got it all together. And so in that process of trying to like put my best foot forward, I easily trick myself into believing that I am better than I think I am. <laughs> um, and so just that that invitation that's there, like it's it's easy to see it in other people. Why is it so hard to see it in ourselves? You know. Um, and if we want, you can. You can only, like Jesus in this moment, he's offering this man what he has, like the power of the spirit as he depends on the father and walks through the world. And we can only give what we've received. And so if I'm not receiving this type of invitation, if I'm not receiving this kind of healing, if I'm not allowing God and others to point out my blind spots and then partner with Jesus to like lay those down, then I can't offer that to other people. Um, but we so easily want to try and, yeah, like you said, we do it in our own capacity and our own limited strength, but that quickly runs out and it quickly falls short of what God intends. Well, mate, we're all, we're all more broken than we're willing to admit, but we're, we've got the one that can heal and bring wholeness closer than we could ever begin to imagine. Yeah. And that's the goodness of God, isn't it? It sure is. Beautiful thing. Mate, I want to thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing just lots of little nuggets in there that I know uh, I want to go back and listen to again and just ponder and think through. So, mate, thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your, who you are and um, uh, and everything that you, uh, you give is such a blessing. But more than that, it's just who you are, mate. Appreciate you a lot. Right back at you. Can I ask you one more? Could you just pray for our church? Would you be willing to pray? Would that be okay? Yeah. Oh. God, you love your bride and you love Oasis. You love the people that are there. You love the leaders. You love Stratford and the people that surround that church. And you're looking at them, uh, sitting bedridden, looking for hope and you're extending a hand to the leaders of the church to the church and to the community saying do you want to get well 
And so, God, I pray for an increased capability to receive the invitation that you've given, uh, for an increase in yeah, receptivity. Um, and then from that receptivity of that invitation, that you would remove the blinders that are in place, that, that you would shed the, the broken things that stand in the way of an encounter with you. And then as they receive the healing that you offer in the deepest places of their being, that you would make them the wounded healers that Henry Nouwen talks about, the wounded healers that go into the world and offer that same healing to others. So thank you that you are the water of life. Thank you that you quench our thirst. Would you uh, wash us clean? Would you heal our wounds? And would you send us out to invite other people to come to you and drink? So bless that church and their mission. May they bear much fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Bless you, Scott. Speak soon. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. His favor 
be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening in your coming and you'll go this morning has encouraged you and I, I want to encourage you to uh, dive into this passage of scripture again John chapter 5 why don't you just read it why don't you spend some time with it uh, listen to Jesus speaking to you uh, do you want to get well uh, and the invitation from the only one that can bring fullness and wholeness and healing uh, to pick up our mat and what does that mean for us what does that mean for you in your relationships in your circumstances in your situations I want to encourage you let's let's encounter Jesus and let his word lead us to him uh, for the sake of what he's seeking to do in our life. And so, yeah, I hope that encouraged you this morning. And um, just before we, we finish this morning, um, we've got gospel communities this afternoon. So if you're in a gospel community, uh, do get onto the chat and make sure you know when and where and, uh, and what's happening with that. Um, but, but I just want to say a huge thank you. I want to say thank you to all of you who prayed, uh, you served, you made food, you provided uh, our Easter feast uh, a couple of weekends ago at Easter. We we had a, an Easter feast, which is a community meal for Stratford, and it was amazing to see people coming in. We had some people register beforehand uh, and they came in as families that have never been to our church before. Those from other faiths that have moved recently into our, uh, our town and, and region. And it was amazing to be able to have conversations with them and sit and eat together. And we had people just coming in off the street because the doors were open and they could hear noise uh, and we were able just to provide for them. Those that perhaps would have been on their own. We know that there were some that came that said, I, I wouldn't have seen anybody else today if I hadn't have come here. And so I just want to encourage you and thank you so much for your generosity and hospitality, your prayers, your time for sitting and eating alongside others, for for listening to their stories. Church, it's significant for us as we step into this that God is calling us to be. 
And so thank you for for jumping into that mission. And uh, I really believe that God was working on that day and stirring people's hearts. So let's just pray that God would continue to pour his presence out in and through us as a local church, but into the lives of the people around us. As Scott was praying, his heart is for the people around us uh, and in our lives, our neighbours, our friends. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for being an amazing church. Uh, also, um, I want to let you know that... Um, from the 20th of May to the 29th of May, our very own Ian Hesketh is doing the most bonkers thing you could possibly imagine. He is cycling 860 something miles from John O'Groats to Land's End. He's doing it from the 20th to the 29th of May to raise money for Elim missions, for seeing gospel communities and uh, planted around the world, seeing people encounter Jesus, uh, seeing uh, lives transformed through the love of Jesus, uh, seeing an, uh, bring, uh, through the projects bringing an end to human exploitation and, uh, and uh, providing for the most um, vulnerable children around the world. And, and so if you feel stirred and you've got some uh, finances to be able to support, can I encourage you? There's a link that's coming up on the screen. Why don't you jump online. Uh, if you're on our newsletter, there's going to be something coming out through that as well. If you can, small or large amount, whatever you can, let's let's the church just support and encourage Ian as he does this crazy bonkers thing, uh, because sometimes that's what stirs us. Uh, uh, the gospel stirs us to do these bonkers, crazy things uh, for, for the sake of other people encountering the love that we know of Jesus. So if you're able to give, then please support Ian. Uh, that would be fantastic. Uh, finally, I just want to let you know that uh, normally we would have a, a monthly prayer meeting tomorrow. Uh, the first Monday of the month, we gather on Zoom and we pray. We're going to cancel tomorrow's uh, prayer meeting because we want to create some space next week. We want to create some space in order to have a meeting around half an hour meeting. We'll give you the details. It'll be later on in the week, but we'll send out the details through um, our uh, members. To our members, we'll contact you directly. To regular attenders, um, I encourage you when you email us, admin at occ-stratford.org.uk. We can uh, give you the details for that Zoom call as we have them available. We've got a really important announcement just to make uh, regarding the life of our church for this next coming season. and so. We'd ask if, if you're able to or someone from your household or someone can be on that meeting. Uh, it's going to be half an hour. Uh, we'll probably try and put it at a time that suits as many as can. But we appreciate not everyone's going to be able to make that. And so um, we will email stuff out to members and uh, and then communicate things uh, in person next Sunday as well. But uh, if you're able to just watch out for that communication and we'll get it to you as soon as we can. Um, but I think that's it for this morning. Uh, again, if you're in gospel community this afternoon, have a blessed time being together, encountering God and, and with each other through sharing food. And uh, I just pray this week you would just know the God who surrounds you, the God who is closer than you think, the God who is not distant, he's near, is calling you to himself. And he's, within him is, is freedom of life, is wholeness and healing. And so uh, draw close to him this week as he draws close to you. Uh, and so uh, blessings and we'll see you uh, next week in person uh, and uh, the various other things we've got happening in the life of the church. God bless you. <laughs>